morning. I tell you what, if, you, if you'll open your Bibles, um, I'm going to say a couple remarks, then I'm going to pray. Uh, but if you'll open your Bibles to Galatians 5, through 26, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one in front of you. And if you have an NRSV, it'll be on page 948, 948. And if you have an NIV in front of you, it'll be on page 826. Galatians 5, 22, Galatians 5, 22. Again, a couple things. Congratulations to all our graduates. We, I think this is the biggest list of graduates that we have ever had since I've been here. Great, great group of young people. Second thing is, uh, it is Memorial Day weekend, and I would point out to you that if you will go down to uh, Middletown City Hall over here and look at the World War II Memorial, you will see on that memorial uh, the names of some soldiers who were members of this church who died during the Second World War. In fact, there were three brothers who grew up in this church, Bump Brooks, Gene Paul Brooks, and uh, Wesley Brooks. I did the funeral for Gene Paul and for Bump, and there was actually another brother. Uh, there was four brothers, but Wesley is on the memorial, and he died. He's a member of this church. He died in the Second World War, and his name is out there. So there's a lot of, a lot of memories there uh, for the community. So great Memorial Day. The other thing is, uh, that's Coach. Hey, Coach, wave everybody. Uh, that's my coach. Uh, he's got his son Luke and his daughter Grace. Uh, he was here today for Nathan's baptism. And as Coach walks out, I want to say that he's uh, one of the finest dads I know. <laughs> And uh, also, Coach is just a special Christian influence on the, the young men and women in this community. I love working with Coach Ran, And um, I'm going to get to coach again with him this fall with the cross-country team at Eastern. Uh, my son said, Dad, I want you to. Uh, Nathan's getting baptized, so I have to. Uh, he just got baptized. We're proud of him. So love Coach Ran. And uh, glad he was to be able to be here today. So let's pray, and then I'm going to get started. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace, for your blessings. And uh, thank you for the word that you've given me this morning, that you've put in my heart. And I just pray that I will be able to share the word and not get in the way of the word, and that we'll be able to hear the word and receive the word. It's in Jesus' name I pray and ask you to bless this reading today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at Galatians 5.22. Uh, we're talking about uh, the book of Acts and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've called the series Supernatural. And I want to show you uh, what Paul says about the Holy Spirit and about what God wants to grow inside of you. And as I read this list from Galatians, I want you to make note of the thing that you would like to see grow in your life. Paul here is talking about fruit, qualities, things that we hope to see inside of us. And it's a wonderful list of things. And you look at this list of things and you say, man, if I had more of that, my family would be better. Uh, if I had more of that, my job would be better. If I had more of that, my neighborhood would be better. 
If I had more of that, I'd be happier, healthier, everything would be better. Man, if our world had more of that, it would be better. So I want you to think of the one word that you'd like to see to have more of. Paul writes that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no such law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. What he's talking about there is he's saying that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, baptism symbolizes the death of yourself, the things that get in the way of these gifts. He's saying you put aside your flesh for these things. And he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So what is it for you? Uh, do you need more love? Do you need more joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness? Just turn to the person beside you and say, my life would be better if I had more of this. Help me out now. Where would it be? More faithfulness. More faithfulness. So the great thing about this list is that Every day I wake up, depending on what my circumstance is for the day, I need something from this list. And some days I need more love, some days I need more joy. But I want to point out to you that you're, you're like me. In the sense that I imagine that for every one of you in this room, that there is something in your life at the core of who you are that keeps you from experiencing this gift. Think for a minute, is there something in you that is keeping this fruit from growing? What is getting in the way of joy? What is getting in the way of peace? What is getting in the way of gentleness? What is getting in the way of faithfulness? If you read on and listen to what Paul says, he goes down in verse 26 and he says, Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. When I read that, it was like someone just kind of stuck a knife in me because he uses that word envy. You know what envy is? Envy is when you look at another person and you wish what they had and you can't celebrate their success you can't feel joy for them because you want what they have so much that you can't celebrate what they, because you feel less than. The reason it strikes me in the heart is because there was a time in my life, not now, but there was a time in my past when I really struggled with envy. I would look at the success that others were having in other churches and in other places, and I wonder why can't I have that success? And then because uh, I felt envy for these other ministers, and I'm just being honest, it was really easy for me to find fault, to look for weakness, 
to criticize and to condemn. At some point, as I began to grow, I began to feel very troubled about that. I realized that it wasn't about them, it was about me, and that my envy came from something deeper inside of me, from an insecurity, a feeling of inadequacy, a feeling of I'm not enough. The envy was the symptom. And it was a thing that was growing inside of me that was preventing me from having joy and peace and those sorts of things. I don't know what your thing is, but you have a thing. I'm not just talking about changing your behavior. I'm talking about the core of who you are. Inside the core of every one of us, there is something that needs to change. I have a friend and. Uh, for a long time, he, he complained about his job. Man, I hate my job. Every time we went to lunch or coffee or talk or whatever, I hate my job. I don't like my job. I'm miserable my job. I don't like my boss. You know, these people, it just is killing my spirit. I'm just miserable. My friend put together his resume, and he got a new job. And for the first few months of the new job, everything was great. Loved my boss. Loved my place. I'm excited. I'm happy. But now it's the same old story. Don't like my boss. Don't like my job. Don't like the people I work with. I'm miserable. Why? He changed jobs. It's a different job. Why? Because he didn't address the real issue. The issue was never the job. It was who he is. He changed his scenery, but didn't change himself. If there was one thing in your life at the core of who you are that needs to change, what would it be? Because it's that one thing that causes you to take two steps forward and three steps back. Now go back and look at this passage. I want to point out, this is the piece that's amazing. I want you to notice what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that these gifts are fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of your effort. It's something that God does in you. It's something that God grows in you when you partner with God. It's about rebirth. It's about a new beginning. It's about what God grows in you. You know, you can go down to Barnes & Noble's bookstore this morning after worship, and you can go to the self-help section and find a book that says, here are the six things that you can do to lose weight. Here are the four steps to having a healthier marriage. Here are the five ways to lift up your self-esteem to feel better about yourself so that you can show up better and get a better job. Here are the easy peasy steps to a happy marriage. But the reality is, the truth is, while all that information is helpful, most of you, like me, do not need more information. What you need is a transformation. You need a 
change that happens inside the core of who you are as a person. And that's what happens with the Spirit. You see, that's, that's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. The gospel good news of Jesus is that, is that for every person, there is a birth possible, a second birth, a new birth, a rebirth, a spiritual birth. What Nathan was doing today in the baptistry was testifying that he has begun the journey of a second birth, inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit to live in him. And what the Bible teaches from all of Paul's letters to the Gospels, it's all consistent. They always present these lists of these things. Uh, this is the way I used to be, and this is who I want to be. This is who I was, this is who I am becoming, and it is because of God's presence and his spirit in me that I'm becoming new. Not self-help, but God help. That's what Acts is all about. When I talk about supernatural, I'm talking about, that's what I'm talking about. So Jesus is about to leave at the beginning of the book of Acts, and he says to the disciples, I'm leaving. And I want you to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. But before you go, I want you to wait for the promise. Promise is another word for gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to wait for the promise. And the disciples know that they are weak. They know that they will stumble because they already have a track record of not following through and of failure and disappointment. And so they're not going anywhere. They meet and they pray, they meet and they pray, they meet and they pray, and then one day the promise comes, and on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit comes and fills the apostle with his spirit. The word filled in the text means it, the spirit took over the possession of their mind and began to rewire them from the inside out and gave them power. And Peter preaches. And after he finishes preaching with such power, the people, there were thousands of people heard the message. And they, they, they say, what must we do to be saved? And Peter says in Acts 2.37, repent. Turn away from your old life, turn to the new life, turn to God, believe in Christ, and be baptized. Baptized means immerse your life in his life. It means to die to your old life. So you're turning from the old life. You're saying goodbye to the old life. You're saying hello to the new life. You come up out of the water and you take your breath of new fresh air, new birth. And you begin again. And he says two things. Forgiveness. And the Spirit, you receive the Spirit. And he says, this, and this is what Peter says to the crowd, this promise is for you. What I'd like to point out for you is that word you, I mean, it, I really mean it means you. Here's what it means. It means that your past no longer hangs over your head like a dark cloud. 
You are not defined by who you have been. You are now defined by who you will be. The second thing is, he says, you're not alone because God in Jesus, his presence, his spirit is going to live in you. And then here, here's the best part. The best part of all this is that it's not dependent upon who you are, but on who God is. It's not dependent on your character, but on God's character. It's not how you show up, but how God always shows up, because it's who God is. I mean, the day you call on God, he's not screening his calls, saying, oh, that's Dolly, I'm not going to answer this one. I mean, you know how you screen your calls. Someone calls and says, ooh, David Emery, not going to answer that one. Oh, no, it's Uncle Buddy. The only time Uncle Buddy ever calls is when Uncle Buddy needs money. He's probably drinking again. Or Sally. All Sally does is complain, complain. I'm not going to answer the call. You see, God's faithfulness, God never screens his calls. God always answers when we call. He always answers with unfailing love, unfailing mercy, unfailing grace, unconditional love and grace for you to begin again to start over. And not because he wants you to just survive, but because he wants you to thrive. So would you please, please, please tell me that you're going to stop using the F word around here anymore? You know how often I hear the F word? I mean, I walk in the building. I, I've been, I was in the building 10 minutes and I heard the F word today. I said, how you doing? I'm fine. God didn't mean for you to be fine. God wants you to fly. It's not about you surviving. It's about you thriving. It's about God wanting to take you on an adventure. So you can stop apologizing for who you've been and start celebrating where you're going. One of my favorite ladies, she's my hero. Her name is Judy Doherty. Uh, look at her in that uh, outfit. She's 75 in that picture. That was her 75th birthday. She told me, she said, she goes to our first service, and uh, she said, I felt like my life was just too comfortable. I said, so you decided to jump out of a plane? Yes. <laughs> I said, were you scared? She said, yes, I was scared. So you see this next photo of her. She's walking down the runway. And then when she gets up to the plane, she's not so sure she wants to get in. <laughs> I'm not so sure. I'm not sure I want to fly. But she was able to fly. You know why? Because she wasn't flying on her own. You see, there was a, there was a guide. There was a trainer, an experienced um, person who trained her. And before she ever got on the plane, she was strapped into the guy that she was walking with. And when she jumped out of the plane, she was going this adventure with someone who was going with her. In tandem, strapped to her. You see, God wants you to fly. He doesn't want you to be fine. 
And you don't have to fly on your own because that's the role of the Spirit in you. Producing joy, producing love, producing grace, producing forgiveness. I I wish we had more time this morning. If we did, I I would love to spend some time walking you through uh, the entire book of Romans. It would take us all day. But I've been reading the story of Acts and reading Romans side by side. And if you start reading in chapter 6 of Romans and you read down through chapter 8, there's an amazing description of what does happen when the Spirit enters our life. And in chapter 6, this is essentially, I'm going to give you the David Emery synopsis of the most amazing thing you will ever hear in your life. Basically, Paul says that when we give our lives to Christ and we're baptized, we die of the old life and we take in the new life of the Spirit. And then he says to us, essentially, he says, stop worrying about where you've been. Stop focusing on what's broken. Instead, he says, offer yourself to God. I want you to notice the strategy here. He says, quit worrying about what is broken and what you don't have. Just offer yourself to God. He says, offer every part of your life to him as an instrument for his use. And then he goes on and he says, he goes, remember how you used to be? Don't go back there anymore because it's just going to give you more of what you got. Instead, lean into God. And he goes on and he says, when you feel weak, he said, you need to know that the Spirit of God will help you in your weakness. And if you'll just offer up every part of your life to God, everything in your life, the fear, the failure, every bit of it, God will transform it, he will redeem it, because God works for the good in all things and will use it. Your tragedy will become your testimony. And then he says... What happens is, when you take that first breath of fresh air, he says, what happens is, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And then he he makes this list. He says, there is no condemnation when we're in Jesus. Paul goes, he goes, Man, I kept trying, I kept trying, I kept trying. And finally, I gave up trying because I couldn't succeed. And the Spirit came to live in me. How am I going to change it? said, through Jesus Christ. And I, I can keep going to him again and again because there's no condemnation. He says, you live under grace. So you can just keep saying, here I am, here I am, here I am. I'm, not, I'm failing, I'm falling, but here I am because I'm under grace. And God will take your yes and transform it. And you will be, as he says, more than conquerors through him who loved us. Okay, so next week, tonight, I'm driving to Texas after church with my granddaughter and my daughter. We're going to Texas because my mom's fence fell down. And I'm going to go build a fence. I know I do not know how to build a fence. 
But this guy does, the guy with the sunglasses. That is my long-lost college roommate on the day of my college graduation. Yep. And uh, he looks a little bit like Nathan, doesn't he? Yeah. So on my college graduation, Jeff and I have been friends for 35, I don't know, a long time, a long time. So I called him. I said, Jeff, I don't know how to build a fence, but he does. His dad was a home contractor, built homes. And so Jeff, you know what he said when I called him? He said, yes, I'll do it. I'll be there. So Jeff and I are meeting on, on Tuesday. We're going to build my mom a fence. Now, it's amazing that he said yes. Because whenever Jeff and I do projects, he always gets hurt. Once I chipped his teeth, another time I hit his hand with a hammer. One time we were, we were driving down the road going 75 miles an hour. I was driving his Mercury Cougar and did a 360 on the freeway. Looked at him and laughed and said, well, we didn't die. <laughs> I can promise you this, he's not going to let me use the nail gun because I would probably shoot it into his kidney. But here's the amazing thing. We've been friends for a long time, and he's going to help me build the fence. And he's excited about it. And when I called, he didn't hesitate. He just said, yes. Whatever it is that you want to do with your life, God will always be a willing partner. Will always, even if you've hurt God, will always show up and say yes. You know, I don't have all the answers, but God does. I don't have the strength, but God does. I don't have the intelligence, but God does. I don't have the stamina, but God does. You don't have the strength, but God does. You don't have the power, but God does. You bow your heads with me. I know, Lord, that all you want us to do is say yes and to trust you and to take the next step toward you. And I know that all of us in this room, there's some step we need to take. What is that step? Would you reveal to us, each one of us, in your own unique way today, what step we need to take toward you that we could grow in your spirit? Thank you that you always say yes to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, last week I gave an invitation and we had six people come forward. Uh, Nathan was the youngest person to be baptized. Maybe today you just need to claim that baptism you've already had, but if you have not been baptized, why not come forward today and begin that journey? I'll be standing right here waiting for you.